Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you are depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press. No. <laughs> Me starts at seven, so you get there and make coffee. Just sit back and enjoy the show. Dan, uh, what we're going yes, to do mm-hmm. is we're going to, for the debate, mm-hmm. we're going to give you this little bitty minute receiver. It's an earplug. An earplug. Right. Okay. Now, you will hear yeah. everything that I am saying. You're going to talk through it. Correct. I didn't know this was, this was legal. This is great. I, no. I didn't know you could no. even... No, Dan. No. Very illegal. Oh, it's illegal. Really illegal. Oh, well, that's cool. Dan? Uh-huh. Don't tell anybody. I won't. Okay? I won't tell anybody. Between you and me. You and me. Okay? Okay. Just us. All right. So you put this in your ear. Okay. And you listen to what I say. All right. And you repeat what I say. Okay. Whatever I say, uh-huh. you say. Can we rehearse this? Yes, that's what we're going to do. Oh, okay, good. So we're going to kind of give it a run through. And, and Barbara over there is going to ask the mock questions? Correct. Okay. So you just respond as you would tonight when we're doing the debate. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be way back in the back. Okay. With a microphone. Okay. And I'll be speaking into the mic and you will say what I say. All right. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. Here you go. All right. Now stick that you know, in your ear. Okay. Yeah. The floppy things on the side of your ah, okay. Stick that right in there. All right. Right deep in there, Dan. Got that. It's in there now. Yes. All right? Yes. Okay. Okay, now, Dan, I'm going to go back in the back now where the special mic is. Okay. And you just say what I say okay. when I speak through that little receiver. When Barbara asks the question. Correct. Okay. All right, I'm going to go on back now. All right. Get up to the podium. Okay. All right, um, be sure and stand up straight. Be sure and stand up straight. 
No. Um, no. Um, don't, don't. Don't. Um. There's no need. There's to no say need this. to say this, Dan. Dan. Don't say don't this. Don't say this. This is not Be- for you. This is <laughs> not this for is, you. This is only. This is only. My God. My God. Okay. Okay. You can hear me. Okay. Obviously. You can hear me. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Dan? Dan? All right. All right. Ask. (laughs) Greg? Yes. Greg, can we stop for a second here? Yes. Yes, what is it? Uh, I just want to say, I don't think, uh, is Dan, a guy named Dan, actually going to be giving it? I thought it was Hal. It is. It was Hal Bruno from the ABC Network. Listen, the problem of it is, is you're saying things Things, that I'm I'm only giving you instruction. Well, let's try again then. All All right. right. So why don't you. I thought they maybe changed the moderator. No, here we go. Okay. We'll just go again. All right. Why don't you begin by asking for your questions? All right. May I please have a question? Yes, uh, Mr. Quayle, a lot of publicity came out this summer regarding your comment. Look her in the eye. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Regarding your comments about Murphy Brown. So we'd like you to state for the record one final time your feelings on single-parent households. Stand up straight. Stand up straight. Don't fidget. And don't fidget. Don't say these things. Don't say these things. Put your hands down. (laughs) Put your hands down. Stand up straight. Stand up Don't say these. straight. These are not things... Don't say, say these. These are, these not, are not things for you to say. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. D- stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> All right. Let's All right. just answer the let's question. Let's just answer the Shut question. Up. Shut up. Don't. Don't. Ta- ta- stop. Stop. Dan. Dan. <laughs> May I have, May the, question I have again, the question again, please? Uh, yes, Mr. Quill. Please, your your views on the single parent household. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> question again, ma'am. Question again, ma'am. Family values, Mr. Quail. How do you feel about family values? My position. My position on, on family, family values, values are as, are as with been. always been. They are. They are the number the one number concern. One concern. Mm. Don't fidget. Don't fidget. Look her in the eye. Look her in the eye. Don't say these. Don't say these. My position. <laughs> these. This guy's such. An my ass. position. This guy is such an ass. <laughs> my position. My position on the family, on values, the family values are as, they, are always as they always have been. I want. I want America, America to become, to become as, great as great as they, as once, they were. once were. Stand up. Stand up. Pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. <laughs> don't slouch. And don't slouch. Don't say what don't I'm saying. Don't say what I'm saying. I want, I want you to you hear, to as, hear I say, as I say. As a Republican. As a Republican to an American. To an American. We will always, we will always be, be as, great as great as we stand, as we before, stand you before you today. today. You're such an idiot. You're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we losing it? All right, we losing it? No, we're, we're losing, we're the, losing connection the connection we had with the, with oh, the, oh. You're going to wake up your family? Yeah, see, they've all been on vacation for the last two weeks except me. Oh. 10-hour days. I figure, well, hey, you know, I'm 
today's my dad's last day of vacation before he goes to work. And you plan to, uh, <laughs> and you plan to play your guitar really, really yeah, loud? Yeah, I got my bass hooked up. I got this distortion overdrive on it. It's going to be really loud and real noisy. <laughs> <laughs> right now, are you ready? Do you have your guitar on? Yeah, I have it on right now. Okay, Joe, we're, we're rooting for you here. What do you want me to play? Anything that's loud and abrasive. Right on. Okay. <laughs> right on. <laughs> okay, here it goes. I'm going to set the phone down. All right. that for the radio okay or they, they may not be in any mood to hear that but <laughs> no, you should have seen my dad's eyes though we could we could we could visualize your dad oh we felt it for you bud standing there in the boxer shorts and a tank top t-shirt <laughs> uh, can you get him on the phone for yeah hold on a second let's see if I get him out here okay. let's listen man Drop that guitar on your, your pencil neck. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. You know, when he came storming down the hallway, it kind of... Yeah, kind of remembered. Brought back some memories, huh? When your dad came storming down the hallway, looking to kick some butt. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my dad. Okay. <laughs> Hello? Hello, sir. This is Mark and Brian from KLOS. Sorry to wake you. Uh, your son called, and he really does love you and care about you, and just wanted to play a little joke for you for, for all our listeners on the radio. No, oh, that's a joke? Yeah, it was a, it was a fun thing. That it, I mean, did you not hear him before he played the guitar? He yelled, I love my family, and then hit it good and loud. Yeah, I, I heard something. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm peeling myself off the ceiling. It's going to take me 20 minutes to swallow my heart. Now, let, let's... <laughs> Let's let's go ahead and relive that one line that you did share with us. If you play that guitar one more time, I'm gonna wrap it around your pencil neck. <laughs> now is that any way to talk to your loving son? That's an awfully dad thing to say. Uh, at uh, six thirty in the morning, with a sudden rush in my blood, I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, well, you stayed away. You stayed away from dirty words and the f word and so forth. So you're okay with it. We us. appreciate that. Uh, now, are you wearing your underwear right now, or are you completely naked, sir? I'm in my underwear. Okay. <laughs> Do you use those boxer shorts? Do you have the Hanes brief? Through the looms. All right, yeah. We're just trying to picture you in our minds as you're wrapping the guitar around his pencil neck. All right, let us talk to Joe real quickly one more time if we could. Okay. Have a nice day. Hey, guys. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Is your amp still on? Huh? Is your amp still on? Yeah. Okay. Is your dad back in the bedroom yet? Yeah. Do it, buddy. One more time. Okay. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Oh, Lord. Forty days and forty nights passed since thou wast most powerful hand did saturate the land. Oh, when, O oh merciful Lord, will there be an end to this questful journey of salvation? All on this ark have become doubtful and morose, all, Lord, but I, yea, your servant, who hast done thou bidding, and did buildest this ark. <laughs> but when wilt thou bestow land upon our weary eyes? Land! Ho! When, Lord, when will you beseech the sight of solid earth to end this perilous time? Oh, when, when, Lord, when will there be an end? The animals long to graze and wander in the fields. How? Land! Just a sign, Lord, any sign at all would be good. Just thou wast have most powerful hand in bringing us land. Couldn't you just show <laughs> us a sign? Moments away from ramming into <laughs> land! There must be land, just a small sign, maybe a dove carrying a, a, a fig leaf, anything, Lord, would bestow joy upon our hearts. Almost finished with water, about to slam directly into land! Just a sign, Lord, any sign at all. When will there be an end, Lord? We will continue our journey till we do find land. We have slammed directly into land! We will not lose faith. We will go 40 days and 40 nights more, if that is your bidding. We, we honor you in the salvation of this journey. We will continue. There ain't no more water! We're done with water now! We're sitting right on some land! I will try to bestow belief in the crew members of this boat. I have done your bidding and I will continue to do so for as long as I live on these waters. Hear me! I'm stomping around mud! I don't even see water! Can't smell it! We're sitting right the hell directly on land! Land is what we're at! Land! The journey will continue, though, however, until we do find land, Lord. I look up to the skies and hope for some sign someday. Since we're sitting on <laughs> land, why don't we let the animals run around, let them loose, because there ain't no more water. We're on land now. We're on land. Ain't water gone. Let the animals go. We sleep every day and wake to the wide, wide waters of the world which you beseeched upon us. We will continue to sail on this perilous journey. Oh, when, Lord, will there be an end? Oh, chicken. Chicken of thou God. You will be giving eggs when we do soon find land someday. One day you will be feeding our hungry hearts. Oh, oh, kitty cat, oh, cat of the Lord. You are a member of this crew, and you are as restless as I to find land. Oh, puking dog. 
puking, puking dog. Mm. Oh, puking dog, thou wast not a sick puppy. We, as sick as all of us, to find land, please, land. No! Listen! The water is like way gone. We are, we are stomping around the damn land now. Get off the boat! Oh, Lord, please, Lord, let us find land in this perilous journey of salvation. We will be in belief of the hearts of the Lord. We will sail on. Uh, Pinhead. Yeah. Mark and Brian program. What can I help you with? Uh, well, we were just calling up to see how you been. Well, thanks to you, pretty damn terrible. Well, what do you mean? Well, you guys have been promoting Hellraiser so much that everybody's seen the darn thing, and I mean everybody. Right. Everybody, everybody now knows not to open the little box. <laughs> now, I can't appear and tear apart souls if I'm not invited in by somebody open up the dang box. Right, we understand. Now, as you can understand, this right. puts a real damper on the old career. Right, right, because you do, you spend most of your time tearing souls apart, and if nobody opens up the, the, the puzzle box, you got nothing to do. That's right. I'm in a real slump as far as uh, soul tearing goes. Really, really sorry, Pinhead. We, we didn't realize. Well, look, i got to do something to pay the bills, right? Right. I have a tremendous overhead being a demonic character. You do? I spend a foul week just on fishing tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and my pillowcase bill would choke a chicken. Oh, because the... Uh, yeah, I was sleeping, you know. The, 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 the pins in your head the rip, rip, rips the... My pillowcase bill... <laughs> A chicken. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and rent? You think it's cheap to dwell in the bowels of hell? Didn't even know. Think again. Oh. I got a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath apartment just off the river sticks. Right. <laughs> fifty a month. You're not, kidding. Not including utilities, and I don't even have a view. <laughs> So, so anyway, I'm uh, I'm doing what I can to make ends meet. Well, yeah, what do you do when nobody's there around well, to tear their souls apart? As far as soul tearing goes, uh, Wednesday is double coupon day. Oh, that's In good. Invite one soul tearing, get the second one free. <laughs> and, uh, let's see, I'm about to kick off my friends and family program, so... Really? What, is that, what is that exactly? <laughs> so... <laughs> and, then, uh, and then there's my uh, two other jobs on the weekends. Uh, you have two other jobs on the weekend? Yeah. What are, what are they? Well, I'm a little embarrassed, but on uh, on Saturdays, I'm doing uh, kids' birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I go up, uh, you know, I go up on Earth, and kids kids like me up there, so so we do kids' birthday parties. We start off with uh, ring around the pentagram. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, I put on a, a pagan puppet show. Uh, uh, we play hide and go bleed. Uh, let's see. Oh, then we play pin me on the donkey. But now look, you supply the donkey on that one. I have some Absolutely. dignity. Absolutely. And you see Pinhead showing up, knocking on the door, toting the donkey. 
It just wouldn't be pinhead like. Yeah, and then we, uh, then I hang upside down from a ceiling beam, and the kids all start swinging these really long sticks, and they try to break open the Miata. <laughs> That's gonna take a minute. Uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I make a few uh, balloon animals. You make balloon animals? Yeah, I make balloon animals. Love well, it. <laughs> now, the problem is you got to make ends meet, like you said. Uh, make one for us. All right. Oh, hang on. All right. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. No. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this. Hang on. All right. Roadkill. <laughs> you want another one? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. All right, yeah, here's another one. All right. Bloody spine. <laughs> <laughs> What do, you, what do you, we think one more, maybe? Yeah, maybe one more, Pinhead. Uh, i got to wait for the cart to queue up here. All right, just as soon as it's done, let us know. Uh, we can move on. It's not really that much. All right, well, we really like that. The bloody spine has a nice option. I'm sure the kids love that. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm making them balloon animals. I do a few imitations. Uh, what imitations? Yeah, that's right. You did a couple last time. What do you got? Well, pretty much anybody. Uh, let's hear some uh, Captain Kirk. This is Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship. Enterprise, we come in peace. We need your Federation of Planets to be it. Very nice, man. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's hear some hoss from Bonanza. Bad gummit, Paul. <laughs> uh, I do a little uh, Sean Connery. I do let's hear Sean. some Sean Connery. I found the kill for cancer of the 21st century and I lost it. That's actually pretty damn good, Pinhead. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Uh, now, uh, I mean, thank you. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, a little Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, let's hear some Gerard. Hey, Bonnie, would you like to get good in? You know, Pinhead, you're really actually a fun guy. Uh, Nobody would know. Uh, well, if somebody opened the damn box, I wouldn't be anymore. Uh, now, you mentioned you had two weekend jobs. What was the other weekend job you have? Oh, that. Uh, well, I, uh, on Sundays, I work in the women's accessory department at May Company. <laughs> what do you do there? I'm an earring tree. <laughs> Well, they so they, they hang the jewelry on the pins on your head, they right? They display them. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't mind if someone, you know, makes me want to turn, you right, know, right. but when they use my pins to turn me, don't do that. That's not good. Just use my shoulder Because they're connected, right. Yeah. Right, good to know. Uh, well, listen, Pinhead, uh, you know, there are... I'm an earring tree. Right, we heard that. Uh, right. Yeah, there the other thing. Uh -huh. uh, there are some people that have not seen the movie Hellraiser, and for those that haven't, uh, we're going to be showing that at the drive-in on Thursday night. Oh, that's great. Yes. Maybe, maybe I'll stop by. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, best of luck you with want a, You want another balloon animal? Sure, that'd be great. Before I go. All, All right. right. Here's another one. One more. Empire State Building. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right. We'll see you. Listen, Pinhead, good talking to you, bud. Bye-bye.
you doing, Key? <laughs> what? That's <laughs> more. And do there, Biggie. Come here. What's going on at Grayson, Geek? Why, well, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Grayson, Geek. Oh, my God. I listen to the show war with Grayson. Yeah. Hey, I will say, I think it's a good thing what you're doing there. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, a lot of people drink a drink. You know, over my like a little Elvis chippy. I like to give a little Elvis chippy. I was I ain't catching much uh, of your day, though. No. Uh, all right, well, I ain't catching much either. Never <laughs> <laughs> think of it. I was gonna say, you know, uh, a little Elvis tippy. Oh, here. Uh, oh, Elvis tippy. A little Elvis tippy. Oh, a little Elvis tippy. Oh, what you need to do if you're gonna drink any ass stuff, just stay home, man. Keep it, keep it in the animal room. Keep it, <laughs> keep it in the jungle room. That way, you know, you have red carry you up to bed and lay you down nicely. Take your clothes off. <laughs> so red takes you up to bed with you a little too far gone. Oh, good. I show my See, oh, like red's my designated driver. I go out if I go out to a club. I mean, you know, I want right. to a little something up on country western stage. Uh, <laughs> let me. <laughs> hey, let me ask a question. Can you hear your word there? Hey, Nicole. What? that. <laughs> <laughs> And that'd be the red man. That'd be a red. He's yeah. Naked. Elvis, yeah. we appreciate you calling on a special day. Uh-huh. Fine. You know, we're doing about the drunken dreaming thing. Remember there, King. This is uh, uh, listen. <laughs> shorter the ride, the longer the car. <laughs> Elvis, you know, we could ask for better words from uh, just a rock and roll legend. All right, King. I got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elvis, that was kind of a chunky thing. I, I gotta go. Well, listen, Elvis. Because I'm sounding more unlike me than I've ever sounded before. <laughs> now, listen, man. Great words you share with us here today. No, I, just, I just like to ask everybody not to drink and drive because it is very important. Well, listen, we appreciate your fine, fine, kind words you shared from I us. I appreciate you. Thank you, King. Love you. The Biggie. Loving you too, Biggie. I'm loving this monkey. <laughs> is, is a monkey there with you? No, I actually, I was just good night. <laughs> What's Silla doing? <laughs> Elvis. Hey, Elvis. <laughs> I don't say I don't deal with monkeys no more. No, no, I they're too uh, they're too hairy. What's <laughs> <laughs> what's Silla doing? Every time you can really you know no you, know, you can back up against a monkey is when you know it's in hate and so I like it. When the, you know, <laughs> I'm a king of rock and roll. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. The stage, so I like it when I can get it. And I don't <laughs> I don't want to have to wait for no monkey to get in heat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Elvis. What? <laughs> how's Zilla? <laughs> Elvis, how's Zilla looking? <laughs> Elvis, how's... Uh, Elvis. Uh, Elvis, how's Zilla looking? Oh, Zilla. <laughs> <laughs> how's Zilla looking? Good to uh, you. I'm a look. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I like living cheap. You gonna have uh, yourself with that, Elvis? I'm gonna get me. <laughs> <laughs> what you got on? Uh, they got on nothing. Let <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Let the king compose. <laughs> The king composed. <laughs> oh, red. Oh, red. Compose me. Oh, God. Elvis. Oh, when, red, oh, when the Chinese composer red comes up and slaps me a couple. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm back now. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah Listen, like man. Listen, uh, we're going to get going because it's time for a break or something. So, uh, listen, thanks for calling for Graceland and everything. Hey, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, there's Elvis dropping the phone. Big E, the big damn Elvis on the Market Bride program. Mark Thompson's going to sing some Elvis. Chess. Oh, Hello, yeah. Chess. There you go. Do it, baby. All right. Hold me close, hold me tight. What song is this, Mr. Elvis Presley? Hold me tight. Let me know. Wait a minute. Has it started? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I am way off base. <laughs> Has it started already? <laughs> I want you, I need you, yeah. I, I love you <laughs> with all my heart. <laughs> but every time that you're near, all my cares disappear. Oh, yes. Darling, you're all that I'm living for. I want you. Yes. I need oh, you. Elvis. I love oh, Elvis. Oh, my God, Elvis. Come on. I thought I could live without romance until you came to me. Show me your scarf. Show me your scarf. But now that I know oh my God. that I will go home, <laughs> love eternally, <laughs> please be mine, never leave me alone, cause I die every time we're apart, I want you, I need you, I love you. With all my heart, <laughs> I could live without oh romance. God, Mark. <laughs> Until you came to me. This is working. Yeah, it is. But now I know that I, I, I will go on. Three eyes. Eternally. Take it home, baby. King! 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 Elvis! Elvis! <laughs>
be alone. Elvis the King! I die every time we're apart. <laughs> I want you. Yeah. I need you. Uh -huh. I, I love you. <laughs> in all my heart. Elvis Presley. Thank you. Greatest entertainer to ever see. Many stars at seven, so you get there and make coffee. <laughs> Just sit back and enjoy the show. Live from London, home of Greenwich and its world renowned Mean Time, it's the Penny Dreadfuls. <laughs> Brought to you by Hopkins Flightless Budgies. Hopkins, we pull the wings off so you don't have to. <laughs> this is the Brothers Fabersham. Those who owe nothing to the infamous Faversham family can be counted on one sausage. <laughs> they influence, moulded and defined Victorian Britain, striding across the era like a mighty change titan. Tonight's episode chronicles the life of Marcus Daedalus Paris Faversham, Victorian Britain's greatest actor. The seventh child of Sir Digby Faversham, a wealthy aristocrat, and Lady Alexandra, the Empire's deadliest secret agent, Marcus was born in the spring of 1847. His early life story was the same as most babies, gurgling, vomiting a bit, sleeping at odd times and so on, but the defining moment of his childhood would come at the age of four, during the state opening of Parliament, as he clung tightly to his mother's hand on a blustery morning outside the House of Lords. Look! Look, Mummy! It's the Queen! Victoria had appeared at the top of the steps, flanked by an entourage of attendants and bodyguards. As she waved a silk handkerchief to her adoring masses, a sudden updraft of unpatriotic wind whisked the white square from her grasp and carried it dancing on the air over the crowd. Oh God, look! The Queen's hanky! Imagine owning it! Imagine what's inside it! Imagine owning what's inside it! There was a mad scramble as the silken vision teased on the breeze for a moment above the crowd before landing with balletic grace in the outstretched hand of... Marcus! That child's got it! And by God, he's going to give it back to the Queen! Hello, small boy. What is your name? Marcus Faversham, Your Majesty. I think you dropped this. Thank you, young man. You're most gallant. The people cheer for you. Would you like me to show you how to weigh with them? Yes, please. Don't move your hand too much. That's it. You'll keep on waving as long as you want. Marcus inwardly beamed and watched as Queen Victoria descended the steps and climbed into her golden carriage. As the carriage pulled away, Marcus looked out upon a vast swathe of cheering Britons, 10,000 or more stretching out beneath him, cheering and applauding the little boy who had returned the handkerchief. Three cheers for the child! Hip, hip! <laughs> Marcus waved again and again and again, keeping them there for six hours. <laughs> From that moment on, no opportunity to entertain a crowd was ever passed over by the young Faversham. He had an allergy to being ignored and a thoroughly overactive imagination, but lacked the mental discipline to order his thought words into writings eloquent. <laughs> Marcus's unfocused desire for attention and adulation soon led him to the school's drama club, which was run by one Mr. Normandy, whose only professional credit had come at the Pelagium in an avant-garde production of Puss in Boots, playing the part of the wisecracking gravy boat. 
Despite the crushing reviews, he was the closest thing the school had to an authority on matters theatrical. Nobody ever made it as an actor who couldn't do a good tree. <laughs> but, sir, are there any parts for trees in theatre? No, no, it's not. Look, anyone can do a good Hamlet. Hmm? Haddo Minor here can do a good Hamlet. I have trouble with numbers. Yes, we know how. <laughs> but without trees, it would just be a rather stupid little boy wittering away to a room of bored theatre goers. However, Hamlet channeling the spirit of a weeping willow. Kapow! <laughs> now we're cooking with theatre! <laughs> Sounds like a delicious brew. Mr. Faversham, where have you been? My presentation on badges was so popular, it got extended to a two-afternoon run at the little school. <laughs> Excuse me, is this drama club? Oh, well, it depends, my dear boy. Can you do a good impression of a tree? Um, well, I think I can write a good impression of a tree. A writer, eh? Hmm? A scribe? A scrivener? A chronicleist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the plan, anyway. Excellent, excellent. Well, take a seat over there, uh, you too, Marcus. Uh, now then, tonight we're going to start by practicing looking sympathetic when a friend gets a bad review. George, you're up first. <clears throat> I've just read a review of my performance in the Illustrated News under the headline, King Lear? More like King Shit. <laughs> what, what do you say? Look, love, if the bugger could act, he'd be the one reading the bloody review, not writing it. Oh, very good, George, yes. Very good. Right, uh, Daniel? Hello. You're new here, aren't you? I'm Marcus Faversham. I'm Arthur Chuck Norris. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> not as pleased as I am you. I just got a scholarship from my old school, St. Paul's College, for the working class. <laughs> so, what, what are you working on? Well... I've had this idea for a show in which one man does all the talking. Like a narrator? Sort of. But he's in the story as well. I call it a one-man play, or monologue. What's a monologue? It's from the Greek. Mono, meaning one, and log, meaning man play. One man sustain a play for a whole hour on his own. Who does he sword fight? Who does he kiss? Who dies to send him spiralling down a self-destructive path of revenge? Oh, I hadn't really considered all that. I thought he could just talk wistfully and articulately for an hour or two on the subject of domesticity. <laughs> I like it. I like it, but we'll have to punch it up a little. Maybe have a fight with a monster at the end. Oh, I like that. It could represent the pressures placed upon the hero by his father. Yes, and it could have really big claws. Yes, that's good. Let me get a pen. It'll be an epic, tragic tale. Has anybody got a pen? And it'll be based on the works of the Bard. Their trilogy of Shakespearean horror mashups, the Zombie Wives of Windsor, Zombie the Fifth, and All's Well That Ends with Zombies. <laughs> are still the most successful shows in the school's history. <laughs> from impressive beginnings, the nine-year-old Marcus and Arthur went from strength to strength, reinventing classic works, each time Arthur writing and Marcus taking the lead in both solo and ensemble productions. Particular highlights included Happy Ending Hamlet. Oh, it was all a dream. You were there, Fortinbras, and you, Mother, and you, Horatio. <laughs> 
And you were there, Uncle Claudius. But you were evil. But I'm not evil, really. Who wants tacos? Yay! Did somebody say tacos? Hamlet Senior! Dad! You know it, baby! And such challenging works as Sad Ending Christmas Carol. You there, small boy, run down to the carpenters and buy the biggest gallows you can find. <laughs> Screw what the ghosts say, I'm going to hang you for being poor. God help us, everyone. This reinvention of much-beloved works was seen as extraordinarily clever in its time, and Marcus and Arthur were soon heralded as the future of British theatre. Well done, Marcus. Good one tonight. Well, I hope you're in the mood for celebration. I bought champagne. <coughs> Hooray! <laughs> it was a little expensive, but I thought, what the hey? Sorry, old boy, not tonight. I've been invited to dinner by the Duke of Buckingham. Have you? Oh. He simply loved the play. And he said he absolutely must meet the talented young genius behind it all. I see. And he's got a simply enormous collection of antique teak ants he wants to show off. <laughs> we're going to White's. But it's my birthday. I thought we were going to Brown's. Don't make me choose between White's and Brown's. That's a can of worms we do not want to get into. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, old boy. Must have slipped my mind. This meeting is important. We're really going places, the two of us. And Buckingham's a man worth knowing. You understand, don't you? I suppose so. You'll see, Arthur. We're about to hit the big time. Fortune and glory awaits. Oh, happy birthday. Cheers. Marcus and Arthur hit it big. And I mean really big. Bigger than Jeff Bow, the inventor of the bow. Or Alexander Graham Interval Drinks, the inventor of the box office. <laughs> Marcus was soon elevated to hitherto unseen heights of celebrity and popularity. He rarely had a moment to himself, so in demand was he in the salons and drawing rooms of fashionable London. Dear Marcus, thank you so much for coming, my boy. Your servant, Harriet. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. What right-thinking men could stay away when receiving a summons from such a ravishing beauty? Ah, Marcus, charming and insincere as ever. If I were ten years younger and unmarried and liked men, I'd eat you alive. <laughs> like a praying mantis or a particularly mean cannibal. Well, I am a delicious treat, the times. Yes, indeed. The new show is a triumph. I don't think I've ever cried so much. Not even when the twins died. And that was jolly sad. <laughs> Nor laughed so much. Not even when the twins came back to life. <laughs> and that was jolly funny. Poignant and hilarious London Evening Post. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, Her Royal Highness Princess Beatrix von Liebensee. Harriet! Who is that beautiful creature? Why, that's Princess Augusta Beatrix Maria von Neisenau zur Liebensee Schmidt Helsinger. <laughs> they say she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. When she arrived at Ascot, six women had to be dragged out and stark raving mad with sheer jealousy. We had to hose down all the chaps with freezing water. Well, she's a modern-day Helen of Troy and no mistake. You simply must introduce me. Are you quite sure, Marcus? Do you think you're up to this? Oh, hang on. She's coming over. Lady Agnew. I do not believe I've had the pleasure of meeting your friend here. Uh, Princess Augusta Beatrix Maria, may I introduce Marcus Favisham, the foremost actor of the age? 
Enchanté. Tell me, Your Highness, was your father a thief? Because I believe he stole the stars from the heavens and put them in your eyes and then made me want to sleep with you. No, but I deduce your father was a baker. What? You've got such nice buns, I should like to take a bite out of them. Hotel Saint Royal while I'm in London. You should come up and see me sometime. Good evening to you both. I say. I told you she was quite something, didn't I? Oh, and Mr. Faversham, I am double jointed. <laughs> Marcus and Princess Augusta Beatrix Maria's love affair was a whirlwind of passion. They would meet at only the most exclusive of gatherings, always in the public eye, to the fascination and the envy of all. This new mania surrounding his private life only helped to elevate his career to new heights with the request for a royal command performance. Marcus was in a giddy haze, which would rarely subside, even in the rather less exuberant company of Arthur. Arthur! Thank you for coming round. Apologies for it being such short notice, but I felt alive with the joys of the world and simply had to work on the royal command tonight. That's all right. I was going to take Mother to see Dr. Faustus. <laughs> But she's probably just as happy sat at home, I shouldn't wonder. So the night is ours to play and make merry with the music of theatre! That sounds splendid. Do you have to do that here? <laughs> it's a lovely place you've got. I wouldn't know what to do with a place this grand. Mother and I make do with a room above a barrow mender's. Are, are you telling me I've never had you round before? No, never. Marcus, my darling. Princess, what, what are you doing here? I was sat in my rooms at the Savoy, bored with nothing to do, and I simply had to see you. The Marquis de Beaufromage Frey Bentos is hosting a midnight mass reception at Kew Gardens tonight. We simply must attend. Oh, I, I don't... There will be a display of fireworks from China and a flambéed finger buffet and the Royal Philharmonic are to play the music of Tchaikovsky whilst riding Tigerback. That does sound like jeeps. All right, I'll come. Good night, Arthur. Filthy to stay over if you don't fancy the walk home. Oh, thanks. Oh, don't wait up, Arthur. Why not use that writer's brain of yours to have a bit of a think? <laughs> yes, I think I will. Things were going great with the princess, and after weeks of courting, Marcus decided he was going to propose. He would do it from the stage in front of a packed house of onlookers after one of his grand performances. When at last the great day came, he was determined that everything should be just right to impress his lady love. Hey, Giuseppe! I want you to nip out to the florist and get me 18,000 red roses. 18,000? That's right. Well, that's a lot of flowers. She must be a special lady. You bet she is. I want them strewn in her path as she walks to her seat. Assis, signor. Mary! Mary! Yes, Mr. Faversham? When Princess Augusta Beatrix Maria arrives, I want you to make sure she is plied with the finest coffees, wines and Capri Sun. Yes, sir. And I'll rig the red velvet cushion to descend with the engagement ring when the curtain falls. Excellent. If this show doesn't make her weep tears of hot, sexy love, then nothing will. Boss, telegram for all you from the princess. Ah, my angel calls. Marcus, darling, I cannot make it tonight. I have had a last-minute better offer from someone more influential and better connected. He is Prince Hengramer von Mittelstrudel. We are to be married within the week. Isn't that exciting, my love? Have fun at your little show tonight, and as you have taught me to say, break your legs. <laughs> Senior Marcus. Yes! Delphine! Never been better! 
So you, you still want the champagne bath with the tiny stops and the little singing boy for the interval? Of course I do! Of course I do! Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I, Giuseppe? Hey, why wouldn't I? <laughs> I've never been happier! <laughs> the jilting hit Marcus hard. Angry and rejected, he attacked London's social scene with a violent energy. That's the end of the bottle. Oh. And that's the start of another. Yay! And this time we have to drink it from a beautiful lady's shoe. No, not you. Right. Barkeep, more champagne. I think you've had enough, Mr. Faversham. Maybe so, but in the morning, you are a bastard. <laughs> Watch it, mate. Right, ladies. Opium time? Who's with me? Well, maybe. Come on, come on, carpe diem! Oh, that's the stuff. <sighs> Calm down, love, you'll break something. Capital idea. Let's try supplies! Hey! Look, I can juggle. All right, you, come on out. You'll have to throw me out. I'm not going anywhere! <laughs> There's only one thing worse than being thrown in the gutter, and that's being into gutting thrones. <laughs> Marcus? Oh, God, look at you. Come on, let's get you home. Father? <laughs> be really drunk. Why would I hallucinate someone I see every day? <laughs> I usually have Bacchus or Disraeli or Alima with a hat. <laughs> Come on, up you get. Are you going to be ready for the Royal Command performance next month? If there's one thing they say about opening nights, it's that I'm open to being knighted. <laughs> Marcus, I don't know if you'll remember this in the morning, but... There's something I should tell you. I'm writing a new play for the Apollo. My own play. It means you'll have to find another writer for the Royal Command, but... I'm going to try and make it on my own for a while. I think it'll be good for me. You'll have no problems finding another writer. Too bloody right I won't! I'll find twelve writers and I'll have them all shot! <laughs> I'm writing myself! Good night, Marcus. What will become of our ill-fated thespian? And why am I asking you? I've got a bloody script in my hand. <laughs> Let's get on with it, after these messages. Have you got a costume party to go to, but haven't got a costume? Well, fear not. Here at Cherubs, we've got all the costumes a 19th century socialite could wish for. Impress your friends with a grotesque Venetian mask and cape combo. Confound your business associates with a cape and mask. Or perhaps wear a Venetian mask and put on a cape. The possibilities are infinite. Cherubs, the costumiers. We sell masks and capes, mostly. Cherubs take no liability for damage incurred to mask or cape during secret orgy parties in a rich person's country house. Secret orgy sold separately. Marcus was a broken man. Despite the highs of his success, it all suddenly meant nothing to him as week on week he accepted the most artistically bankrupt projects. He had lost his spark. Bereft of a writer and his integrity in tatters, he spent the eve of his first ever royal command wandering the theatre corridors, mourning his previous failures, bellowing into the darkness. Two stars! 
Two stars? How dare they say that my show... Marcus Stavisham's show is worth only two stars? A rambling piece of self-indulgent balls? What does that even mean? <laughs> Hello, Marcus. Arthur, you scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just here to pick up a few things. How's the new show? Not the best. Apparently a three-hour monologue on the personal foibles of a middle-aged woman is quite a hard sell. <laughs> what a couple losers we are. I heard you already sold eight tickets. Oh, shut up. You shut up. No, you shut no, up. No, you shut up. I just want to take my things and go. Maybe I'll just take my things and go. Listen to me, Marcus. <laughs> Someone's coming. Luigi, be careful. We don't want this thing to go off. Come on, the royal box is this away. Arthur, Arthur, that's a bomb they're carrying. I can tell. The word bomb is painted on the side. <laughs> they're going to blow up the theatre. Come on. Let's fetch the police. I don't think so. <gasps> Giuseppe! You're not going anywhere. Now go over there. Boys, it looks like we've got a slight change of plan. What plan? We're going to blow up the Queen. Shut up! <laughs> What's the matter with you? We put all these things in front of the prisoners. Prisoners? Well, we can't let you go now you've seen our plan, can we? But, but I've got a show to do tomorrow night. If I'm not there, there won't be a queen to blow up, will there? He's got a point. Fine. You can do your little play. But if you warn anyone about the bomb going off at the end of Act Two, I'm going to shoot your friend here. Uh, Arthur! Now, lock them in the props cupboard, and we can go and get takeout! <laughs> What on earth are we going to do? They're going to kill the Queen. I can't. We've got to do something. Well, if you don't perform, they'll kill you. And if I warn the Queen, they'll kill you. Oh, what a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> if we could only warn the Queen without actually warning her. Wait. What play are you doing? Uh, One-man comedy of errors. It's perfect because I play both sets of identical twins. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. <laughs> No. No, it'll never do. We need something different if we're ever going to manage it. Manage what? What am I going to do? You're going to make Queen Victoria cry. That is brilliant! She never allows us to be seen crying in public. Her madge is as reserved as a stage-side table in a titty bar. <laughs> Precisely. If you can make her cry, she'll leave the theatre for sure. We'll have to write a new play from scratch tonight. What are the saddest things you can think of? Um, Poppy is trapped in a dumbwaiter. Keep going. They want to get out, but no one can hear. If only the housekeeper hadn't donated her eardrums to medical science. <laughs> Good. An owl with one wing shorter than the other. His family will never accept him. Ah, oh, this is great. I can definitely turn this into a coherent narrative. <laughs> Let's keep going. Marcus and Arthur worked long through the night, concocting the saddest piece of tragedy the world had ever known. By morning it was finished. Ninety-eight pages of the most heart-wrenching, tear-jerking, suicide-inducing sadness ever committed to paper. A play in two acts entitled, A Child Being Optimistic in the Face of Everything Dying. Get ready. You're going on in ten minutes. Understood. And don't try anything. I'll be in the wings the whole time with a gun to your friend here's head. 
One false move, and it's death, clicky boom. Now get dressed. Well, Marcus, ten minutes till crunch time. Try not to get me shot. <laughs> Listen, old boy, I wanted to say something. You've been nothing but good to me over the years, and I, I know I've been a colossal pain in the arse. Agreed. Counselling on you all the time. I was dazzled by the attention and the people and the parties. Too dazzled to notice that never once did I cancel on them to meet you. I regret that, and I'm sorry. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. You're welcome. Minutes later, Marcus was acting his heart out, performing the ruddy shit out of Arthur's new play. <laughs> Every now and again, he would steal a glance at Queen Victoria, who sat emotionless in the royal box. Come on, damn you, cry! He thought as he started a particularly upsetting speech about overcoming bereavement through face painting. <laughs> he had never been as nervous in his life. From the wings, Arthur was feeling no better. She should have cracked by now. Shush! Don't make me clicky-boom you! Come on, Marcus. And it was then, when I thought things could get no worse, that my uncle got really poorly. <laughs> but it was not from a broken heart like my dear mother, or from drowning in tears like my little friends at the orphanage. <laughs> he simply looked at me with his kind, kind eyes and said, It's typhoid. <laughs> What is going on? I can't see. It's the Queen. She stood up. I... Excuse me. No, no, she can't leave. Close the curtain. I don't know what you did, Faversham, but I know you did it. I didn't do anything. Shut up! You failed to keep up your end of the bargain, so your friend dies. No! As the villainous anarchist swung the barrel of his pistol towards the trembling Arthur, Marcus leapt with a balletic grace into the bullet's path and then fell crumpled to the floor. Oh no! I only brought the one bullet! <laughs> okay, fellas! Last one to the door probably gets shot by a policeman! Marcus, you took a bullet for me. How's that for... Proving what I said, eh, old friend? I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> I'm so... cold. <laughs> Someone get this man a jumper! <laughs> How do I look? You're bleeding pretty badly. It's all over the stage and... Oh, God! Does it look good? Yes. I'm sort of cradling you and there's blood everywhere. It's got on my hands too, suggesting we're kind of becoming one in this moment. The light's looking really dramatic across your face, suggesting a hope and serenity amongst the gore and violence. Looks really good, Marcus. Looks really good. Cool. Arthur. Yes, Marcus. Open the curtain. As Arthur nodded to the one stagehand who wasn't Italian, the anticipant audience, having heard the gunshot ring out behind the curtain, were met with the most spectacular of tableau. Arthur cradling the bleeding Marcus, beset on both sides by bloodthirsty and decidedly sheepish anarchists looking desperately for a fire exit. 
Thank you all for coming. You've been a wonderful audience. Goodbye, old friend. <laughs> Marcus Faversham passed away to the longest applause in recorded history. And as the curtain falls on this tragic scene, the leading players, Marcus and Arthur, centre stage with a supporting cast of anarchists being booted in the shins by a kick line of Queen's guards. <laughs> so too does the curtain fall on our tale. Marcus was buried in the grounds of the Faversham estate under a simple headstone, bearing the epitaph, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. But I was the best at acting. <laughs> More Brothers Faversham was written and performed by Humphrey Carr, David Reed and Tom Tuck. It also starred me, Ingrid Oliver, and the narrator was Miles Jupp. The script editor was Richard Turner and the producer was Julia McKenzie. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.